One of the trends of the 70s or 80s was the diffusion of cheap Ziploc games. Anybody has seen them? At the time, the average gamer was considered to be rather poor money-wise, which is funny as today's gaming companies like Wizards of the Coast seem to consider the average gamer guy a millionaire super nerd who can effortlessly handle collecting endless super expensive collectible miniatures and card games. The companies of note at the time were most certainly Metagaming and Task Force Games, also Dwarf Star Games. They managed to keep up a pretty high standard of interesting small games, mostly of the fantasy and science fiction genre. The impact of the first two companies can still be felt today. Metagaming produced the fantasy role-playing games Melee and Wizard, which later became what is known as GURPS today, G-U-R-P-S, now by Steve Jackson Games. And Task Force Games produced the hyper-complex Starfleet battles and Starfire spaceship combat games, both of them going pretty strong and having a considerable fan base even today. All these games didn't come in cardboard boxes, but had very rudimentary paper maps and counters packed in the eponymous Ziploc bags. What I liked about these games is the fact that they had to produce content instead of razzle-dazzle, when the actual game components were so flimsy you had to produce good ideas to keep the games interesting. Some of these games actually produced endless hours of fun once you got into them, and probably had a fantastic value for money if you consider the usually small price tags. Today I'm going to talk about one of my favorite fantasy titles of Task Force Games, the little-known fantasy dungeon exploration skirmish game called Falkenburg Castle. Falkenburg used the still popular idea of pitting a kind of player-powered dungeon master or evil overlord against groups of intrepid adventurers. The former populated a series of extremely abstract and ugly dungeon maps with hordes of monsters and evil wizards, whereas the other player, or even players, created groups of adventurers ready to take on the challenge. So far nothing new under the sun, but somehow Falkenburg Castle always fascinated me by packing a lot of content into its tiny rulebook and by not going over the top in the dungeon design, but instead delivering a very competent attempt at a small-scale skirmish war game, perhaps aching to squad leader in a fantasy world. Falkenburg Castle very much was written with a wargamer in mind, and its elegant and simple rules to simulate a conquest of a series of tunnels and pitting squads of orcs against squads of elves still fascinate today. It also involved rules for Fog of War, which enabled the dungeon player to move his forces without the other player knowing what would expect him behind the next door. The counters differentiated between individuals and squad-like units, and also enabled missile combat and the use of magic spells. Usually the adventurers would delve deeper and deeper, while the forces of evil slowly grinded away at their manpower. And often it would come to some kind of climax when confronting the evil overlord at the lowest level of the dungeon. All this was achieved with a really simple set of rules that still allowed for crazy heroic storytelling. I used to play this game a lot when I was young and I can still remember some of the more crazy sessions where one single mage somehow held off a squad of orcs that hunted him down a corridor while the main part of the adventuring group was busy finishing off a balrog. And still, all this was very tactical to play, not only a random dice fest like many fantasy games. But where the game really shone was in the campaign rules. Here, the dungeon exploration was broken down into several forays into the deep, after each of which both sides would rest and replenish their forces. The dungeon master buying new monsters to populate his halls of evil, and the adventurers buying new equipment, but each of them in secret. 
A full campaign could be easily played in an evening and had a truly epic feel. Although it was well possible that your adventuring group fell victim to an ambush in the first foray and was never able to recover fully. There was even the crazy variant that enabled you to take a real World War II squad, I'm not kidding, into the dungeon and get rid of monsters using Browning automatic rifles and M1 carbines. Nothing could beat throwing a grenade down a corridor and see a squad of orcs blasted to smithereens. Anyway, this game can still be found on eBay and I can only recommend it heartily to the fantasy fan. It really delivers a lot of gaming fun into a tiny bit of space. Even 25 years after I bought this game, I still remember every single session of it. Just writing about it makes me want to play it again. Falkenburg Castle was published by Task Force Games. Recommended by Point-to-Point -Point Games and its intrepid fantasy correspondent Moritz, who dares to go into the Dungeons of Doom for you to seek out new games, new civilizations. Now you know your drill. Anyway, one final thing. Last show, you talked about Solitaire War Games. And I have to say that I'm a bit of an expert on, on this subject because I collected many Solitaire War games. And the advice that you gave to our listener was, I thought, a bit limited because there are many, many, many more Solitaire War games out there. And it is not necessary to play car-driven war games, for example, which are, in my opinion, not suited to Solitaire play by yourself. But you can actually play games that were designed for the Solitaire War game. And there are many, many, many of them. I have to mention some of the war games I've enjoyed over the years, and this is just a short selection. There's, for example, London's Burning by Avalon Hill, which is a very good simulation of the defense of Britain against German fighter planes. There's also a similar game called RAF, RAF which was a very similar design, but had some different ways of introducing cards and, and random events. There's also Patton's Best, which is a simulation of Panzer Warfare and Second World War, a very complicated game. There's Carrier, an even more complicated game uh, about the Pacific War. There's Mosby's Raiders, a game which uh, simulates... Uh, guerrilla combat on the lines of the civil war, on the front lines of the civil war, American civil war. There's Raid on Saint-Nazaire, which is a simulation of a raid on Saint-Nazaire in the Second World War, a very detailed game. There were also many, many solitary games published by Strategy and Tactics magazine. For example, recently there was Catherine the Great, but there are also many more from the olden times, for example, the fall of Rome. One should also mention the recent Silent War game, which is a faithful simulation of the Allied submarine campaign in the Pacific. And my favorite, absolute favorite game is also Joe Stedman's favorite solitaire game, which is, which is Ambush or Battleham. Both are games which are specifically designed for solitaire play and are a mixture of adventure book with paragraphs, uh, adventure books with paragraphs and a real squad level war game very similar to Squad Leader. And because the missions and campaigns are pre-scripted, but still with a lot of variation possible, these games are very, very exciting to play solitaire. It's really like you have an opponent uh, who acts intelligently and not the usual random tables that you have in solitaire war games. If you can find Ambush and its many, many expansions, also Battle Him, and its one expansion, I can only recommend it. It's a great, great game. So, dear wargamers, you don't have to try to play card-driven wargames pitifully by yourself. Do yourself a favor and buy games that are particularly designed for solitaire play. They are so much more fun, believe me. Have a nice Christmas, or you had a nice Christmas, I guess. 
Bye-bye. See you next time.